Welcome to another episode of Follow the Brand. I am your host, Grant McGaw, CEO of Five Star BDM, a five-star personal branding and business development company. I want to take you on a journey that takes another deep dive into the world of personal branding and business development using compelling personal stories, business conversations, and tips to improve your personal brand. By listening to the Follow the Brand podcast series, you will be able to differentiate yourself from the competition and allow you to build trust with prospective clients and employers. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Make it one that will set you apart, build trust, and reflect who you are. Developing your five-star personal brand is a great way to demonstrate your skills and knowledge. If you have any questions for me or my guests, please email me at grant.magaw, spelled M-C-G-A-U-G-H, at 5star BDM, B for brand, D for development, M for masters.com. Now let's begin with our next five-star episode on Follow the Brand. Hello, and welcome back to the Follow the Brand podcast. I'm your host, Grant McGall, where we are building a five-star brand that you can follow. Think about this. True change in any industry often arises from not merely opportunity, but from necessity, from personal stories. Today, we're joined by Ryan Margolin, CEO of Professional Hair Lab. Born out of a personal family ordeal, his mother's unfortunate encounter with harmful chemicals. Ryan saw not just a problem, but an imperative to make things better and safer. Under Ryan's leadership, the company didn't just grow, it thrived, tripling its revenue in just 18 months. That's the power of understanding your mission, your market, and the importance of assembling a team that believes in the same. Transitioning role, facing challenges head on, and understanding when to pivot, that's what leadership is all about. It's a journey, not just of a business, but a personal evolution. So let us explore, let's learn, and let's get inspired. Because as we've seen time and time again, we harness personal adversity for the greater good. Incredible transformations can happen. Dive into this narrative, enrich yourself, and remember to always be a part of conversations that matter. Let's welcome Ryan Margolin on the Follow Brand Podcast, where we are building a five-star brand that you can follow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Follow Brand Podcast. And I'm your host, Grant McGall. And a lot of times when I am interviewing guests, the thing that I really look for is what is their passion? Why do they do what they do? And I'd like to hear it directly from them. We are now in an age of artificial intelligence. So in the future, we will not be able to tell for some of us what is real and what is not. And in this world, what you're going to find out, Brian, now we let Brian introduce himself. In the product and services world, there's a lot of uh, counterfeit. 
you know, that can happen and you can protect yourself. We're going to have to do this now a little bit just for our own personal identity, our own personal likeness. But we're, we're going to talk about how Ryan built his business, why he's passionate about his business and how he can help others on that entrepreneurial journey. So, Ryan, you'd like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thanks, Grant. I, I appreciate the opportunity and i um, looking forward to speaking. Uh, look, my name is Ryan Margolin. I'm uh, the CEO of Professional Hair Labs. We are a cosmetic manufacturer that manufactures all types of you know, shampoos, conditioners, uh, scalp treatments, serums, creams, um, sanitizer products for the hair and beauty industry. Uh, we weren't always like that. We started very niche in the non-surgical hair replacement side of the business. And uh, that was going back as far as 1994. And how the company came about was uh, my mother was or is a master hair technician. And she uh, got chemical poisoning from the products that she was using over a period of time. So it forced her into early retirement. And at the time, um, my, my parents owned a hair replacement studio. And it uh, kind of forced her hand, really. Uh, my dad decided to sell it and focus his attention on creating a product line that was not only safe for individuals who are wearing hair systems, uh, but also safe for the technician because they were the ones exposed to it on a daily basis uh, for hours. So that kind of led to what the company is now. Um, 1994, it started. And because it was a new way of doing things, it was a water-based solution rather than a solvent-based solution, which was very popular in the industry. Um, you have to remember back in you know that time, you know the likes of the FDA wouldn't regulate the industry; they deemed it too small. So manufacturers were getting away with with you know with literally murder because they were putting solvents in their products that were being marketed to be used on skin, and they were known carcinogens, so they would absorb into the skin, and naturally they would cause people health complications. Um, thankfully, the industry looks a lot different now today. People are more aware of the water-based solutions and the the safety of them. Um, but it's kind of opened up the scope to uh, look at different application methods with the process so or with the product, sorry. So that's where the company started. I joined in 2009, uh, the, uh, just before the or during the economic crash. I was working in, um, I was working as a sales rep in uh, a sanitary and hardwood floor and tile company. And naturally, that was the, one of the first industries that got hit the most. So I was looking for new opportunities and my dad calls me up and he's like, look, the company isn't really doing, you know, what I want it to do. I think it can do. Um, do you want to come over, you know, to Florida? I was living in Ireland at the time. Do you want to come over and and, and see, is there any uh, synergy? So I was like, you know, I said, no, at first I had a talk with my wife and we had one daughter at the time. We said, no, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll stay here and we'll, um, we'll try to make uh, things happen on this side. Uh, but then we thought about it and we were like, you know, look, you don't let opportunities pass you by. You never know what could happen or what you can make of them. And you don't want to look back and wonder what would have happened if you did that. So we decided to pack up and leave and we went to Florida and we stayed there for a year and a half. And in that year and a half, um, I was able to get stuck in, learn about the business uh, on levels that I didn't know previously. And with some really simple key changes, we were able to triple revenue in 18 months. And that let us know that we validated the product and uh, there was scope to bring it you know, to other parts of the world. So we decided to open up in Europe then. So I came back in 2011. Uh, and from there, we just started focusing on building the company using the Irish base as the global distribution center and um, servicing all other markets from there. So that that's really the real surface level history of the company. And there's a ton of stuff that's happened in between, but that's where we are now. Well, let's dig, dig 
into that. That's a great story. It's a family story. And you're talking about the workplace. And we, you know, there's, there's a lot going on even today around safety and, and, and regulations and that type of thing. And that got you involved. But what got my curiosity up is that you were in sales. And you mm-hmm. came to, you know, your, your mom and dad's company here in Florida, and you something turned on within you in which you you were able to see the vision and able to see the opportunity and what you say, you know what, we tweaked this or that. Now, now I'm curious, was that a product or service change? Was it a product delivery change? Did you start doing digital marketing? I mean, what exactly did you do to create that type of growth? Uh, so there was three things. Uh, it, it came to sales, marketing, and operations. Uh, so I spent the first six months learning about the company and the inner workings of it while I was there. In alignment with that, I look. It was two thousand and nine, so scrapers weren't really a, a well-known thing. So I manually built an Excel sheet database of all hair replacement studios in the United States. So I got a really, really good, deep understanding of the different states, cities, and locations where there were clusters. Um, and just, I, I, I got a really good view of the industry as a whole and you know where it was popular, where it wasn't. So we had that. And in alignment with that, we stripped the whole branding of the company back, everything from the products to the logo, to the messaging. Um, and we rebuilt it in a way that wasn't completely full on corporate. We still wanted to keep the personality, but we wanted to move away from that mom and pop kind of look that the company had. And then I noticed in terms of operations, it just wasn't aggressive enough. Um, the, 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 you know, there was no get up and go in inside of the, the walls and, uh, there was no targets. There was no, uh, no one was willing to just stand up and take a shot at it, you know? So we changed all of those things. And, you know, in 2010, then we, um, we launched our, our, what is now the industry, um, leading wig adhesive, um, globally. And, it all came from taking that database that was built and sending a direct mail campaign uh, with a simple postcard front and back. The front had the name of the product, the benefits, and, um, and, and nice branding. And then the back of it had two testimonials from industry, uh, respected industry leaders uh, that had a, the opportunity to try it before we uh, launched it. And there was only three of us at the time in the company. So we were like, okay, look, we've got 5,000 locations. Don't think we can send all these out at once because if we do start getting calls, it's going to be unmanageable. So we we split it up into three um, uh, three segments. Sent the first one out. About a week and a half later, we started getting phone calls. Hey, I want to order a bottle to try it. That one bottle order turned into three, turned into five, turned into twenty, turned into twenty five, and before you know it, that's how you know we tripled revenue. Um, that kind of led us then to focus into uh, beauty supply stores because we knew that there was a need for the product, and we had studios using the larger versions of them. But what happens for individuals who are traveling and they, uh, you know, there might be a small issue with their hair system where it lifts from their scalp. Um, they needed something to touch up. So we started to move the product into beauty supply stores uh, nationally where people could get a hold of it if they were traveling anywhere and they, they, they had an issue. So uh, we were never a B2C company. It was always B2B. So we needed to find good partners to work with. So that that's really where everything shifted, um, you know, from 2000 and or from 1994 to 2009, the company was doing, you know, 
kind of mid or sorry, low six figures, 250, 270,000 a year. Um, from 2013 to 2019, it started growing exponentially. And I believe 2018 was the first year that we hit eight figures. So, um, yeah, we really started to, to, to understand our customer and we really started to, um, take a hold of an industry that needed product and was screaming out for product. And naturally on the back of that, then because of the popularity yeah, we have the black market counterfeiters taking uh, their opportunity to supply subpar products with our branding on it that um, that was not safe for skin and ultimately did cause us and still is causing us some challenges. I don't like to hear that, but I know that that's out there because you're now you're an elephant and you're you're visible, so people want to get uh, a slice of it if they can. Yeah. You know, sometimes in nefarious ways. I am, you know, you. Take my curiosity again, because in, in in the fact that when you did this research, what I heard you say is like you did your market research, you did your homework, and then you found the gap. Now, was there a, a, an elephant at the time? Was there a big player that you were going to go after, or was did that big player have a particular gap in what they were doing that that you could exploit and grow your company? All of the above. Um, there was one particular company who was dominating the industry. And in my mind, that was my goal. It was like I knew that the you know 90% of the products they were supplying were not safe. And ultimately, it was the product that led to the chemical poisoning my mother received. So my aim was to completely just focus very intently on them. And that's what we did. Um, and I think it was probably 2000 and I think it was like 2016 or 2017. Lo and behold, we get a phone call from them and they want to start, you know, seeing what opportunities are there to potentially do business with them. And uh, look, it didn't come to anything in the end and we knew it wouldn't. But ultimately, you know, the opportunity was on their plate to you know, shift the way that their brand is viewed and the way they do business, because I don't care who you are. I mean, you don't operate for 40 plus years in an industry and not know your product is um, not safe. You know, it's as simple as that. Very much so. And you have you first of all, you you you've got the uh passion and the 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 goal of like, look, this is not gonna happen to anybody else. That is a huge thing. We say my mother, who was in this industry working with this product, you know, got injured. You know, that that's huge. And then you come like the hero, right? Ryan comes in at the well, hero. We're 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 gonna we're gonna save the day. We're not gonna let anyone else have this kind of uh, experience if I can help it. And, um, you know, I'm not saying you obviously did not do it by yourself. There's no one does it by itself. Let me ask you this as we talk through, because I know you're a family business. Talk to us about growing pain, because if you go from uh, a low six figure company to, you know, an eight figure company, that's got to be a lot of change. It is. And, and all of it is really predicated around personal development. Um, I was told, you know, a long time ago, well, not a long time ago, I'd say within the last, let's say, decade, you know, if you don't have the company that you want, you have not become the person that is needed to run it. 
So uh, that to me is, you know, stands true at the core of your business. You know, even now to this very day where I stand, um, I know that there's so much more to be done. Um, And I know, and I'm still learning so much on a daily basis. And I have, you know, a team of good people around me that can help me uh, stay focused, uh, that can also help me uh, navigate waters, uncharted waters that I've never been through before. Um, but I think ultimately what it comes down to is that as you're growing through the six, seven and into the eight figures, um, your abilities must develop very rapidly because when you're six figures, you're kind of doing everything yourself. Um, you're hands on, you're removing the red tape. You're very, you know, on the ground, uh, getting your hands dirty. And what happens is, as you start to move into the seven figures, it becomes more about systems because you become a bottleneck because you can't do everything and you need to hire people and train them. And if you don't have the right processes in place, it's very difficult to scale training. You know, um, you can't train everyone, uh, repeatedly. Um, and again, that's another lesson that I was you know, shown from one of my own mentors is that, uh, operating procedures in a company are like gold dust, you know, that they are the most important things that you will have because it's the only way to repeatedly train, uh, people in repeatable, uh, in tasks in the company, uh, saves time. Um, so, you know, as you're going through building your systems in seven figures, uh, you start to scale up in, into the higher seven figures, um, as a person, it becomes more about leadership and about creating an outcome for a company that people uh, don't need to be micromanaged within. They know what the you know what the goal is, and they work towards achieving it using the systems that you have created. So, uh, leadership is 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 a huge part of it. You know, you can get away with being the go to guy for um, you know I I think for probably until about mid maybe seven figures, but after that everything has to change because, um, you know, if you, you, you know, the culture of your company starts to become very evident because I'm always a big believer is that the culture you build in your company, um, people start to see the disconnect once you start to hit the mid set, uh, seven figures, because you have to separate from it to allow yourself to move into a different position and move into a different space within the company to make sure you're giving it the strategic direction and the right, you know, keeping it on the right path. So you're relying on the people you put in place uh, who are on the team to make sure that that culture remains uh, together. And, and, and that's the, that, that's the, these, these are the parts where you as a business owner can become the bottleneck and the problem in the business. If you don't recognize that. And what you said is gold there. And I want people to really rewind, back that up and listen to what you just said, because everyone has that goal as an entrepreneur to really scale. And get to that point, like, wow, I want to be able to run a multi-million dollar business. Okay, are you ready? W- what don't you know? And I think there's a lot that you, you have to unpack there. Because what I heard you say earlier, you were your sales. And then what I heard you say was marketing. So, I, yeah, you, you understand sales. You understand marketing. You had a gist of what's going on from an operational standpoint. The thing I didn't hear a lot about was finance. And how do you, this is one of the things that you always hear in small business. How do you manage cash flow, you know, in a business uh, that you don't always, trust me, maintenance, understand who do you have as financial partners? You don't understand what your account receivables and payables and timetables. How did you get that now? This episode is brought to you by Five Star BDM. 
Five Star BDM is a professional consulting and advisory group keenly focused on business development services for small to mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Although every business is unique, they often share challenges that can be addressed through smart branding. Services include process improvement and operations, digital strategy and transformation, business intelligence, digital marketing, and personal branding. Our five-star business and personal branding company has helped a number of professionals and organizations to optimize and grow. The result is more business, more opportunities, better reach, positive outcomes. Please visit www.5starbdm.com to learn more and view all the episodes of Follow the Brand. by hiring good people. Um, that is not my forte or my wheelhouse at all. Uh, in fact, I was doing it for a long time, but what I realized is that, you know, even due to the restructuring or the group structure that we're in, um, our audit requirements, I realized that this is just not manageable because I'm not an accountant. I'm not a financial officer. I'm not any of those things. So we needed to hire people who knew exactly um, how to do that and how to do it well. So realistically, um, between our operations and between, you know, financial, uh, we have people that just make sure that the wheels stay on the track. And if there's an overextension, it's brought to, to light very quickly. And look, it happens, you know, the, the, the kind of entrepreneurial reign of, you know, look, I, I want to get this done and I need to run as quickly as I can, as forward as I can to get this done. Um it can run you into trouble. So you need people there to say, listen, it can be done. Just take your foot off the pedal for a little bit and, uh, and, and let's manage this, uh, pace, you know, and that, that's what it comes down to. Uh, um, you know, look, some people are good. Some business owners are really good with, 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 with numbers and, and cash flow and stuff like that. But, you know, for me, I'm more about, okay, I know what we need to do. Um, just let me away with it and let me go do it. And, uh, and then you've got the people in place to, to help you out to pace it. Well, you know, so we're getting to some good conversation here. This is getting good because I want to take you back in time just a little bit. I want to take you back when you were scaling up, you know, from a couple hundred thousand to maybe your first million. And what I want to say is this, that first capital raise, the first time you had had to go outside of yourself and actually possibly put together a presentation, a pitch that you, you had to have a financial partner, whether it was a just a bank, uh, an investment banking or VC. Because that's where I hear a lot of people get stuck in. Like, where, at what point do I need this capital raise? Or maybe it's an M&A. Or as you said, or we were talking earlier, like, I got to start thinking through possibly an exit strategy. I mean, but take me back to that first time. What did you have to do to be successful for that first round? I tore all the paper up. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't do, we didn't go for any finance. We said we can make this happen ourselves and whatever the short-term commitment is to do it. There were sacrifices, you know, and some sacrifices, which you look back, you know, from a familiar perspective and you, you, you kind of regret, you wish you, you maybe might've done it a little bit differently, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad we didn't in the end because, um, you know, look, we, we were willing to put in the hours and willing to put in the graft to, uh, to set the foundations to build upon. So, and what I mean by that is, for example, you talked about six figures and seven figures that required a heck of a lot more uh, hours to put in, you know, like I was working, you know, six days a week, 12 to 15 hour days. 
for a long period of time. Uh, but what that allowed us to do was it allowed us to actually, you know, pump out more product and uh, sell more product. Um, when I say pump out, I mean, manufacture more product and also sell more product and then obviously bank more money. So we were able to buy, you know, new premises, uh, expand with a little bit of equipment and we didn't need finance to do it. Um, and that we, we've always said, you know, as we're scaling and growing, you know, we knew we can do it. Um, all it becomes then is becomes a compound of resources. So we, you know, when we're starting to grow again, we just take the same approach. We heavily invest, we front load the project with a lot of resource. We, you know, we take the short-term pain, which could be about a year, year and a half. And then we have the foundation set. So moving into, even moving into the eight figures, uh, for example, uh, last year alone, we invested 5 million euros into the acquisition and the building of a new 50,000 square foot uh, facility, which we acquired last year. And uh, we know we took the short-term pain there. Uh, and we know coming into 2024, we're going to be coming out of the gates in the manufacturing space, unlike uh, most companies. And the reason being is that we built our company on flexibility to be able to handle the low MOQ uh, requirements of small businesses, whereas the bigger manufacturers only want big quantities. We can actually do it all. And that's what we set the foundations on. And I think that's our unique selling point. And the reason, one of the reasons, the biggest reasons why we've been able to grow, because we can take up all the business that the big manufacturers just uh, structurally can't. That is interesting. So, so you know, I, I love that. It's not like bootstrapping. Like, you know what? I got my yeah. own money. I, I can make this money work. We can work with ourselves. We don't have to overextend. Mm-hmm. You hear that a lot. You overextend. Like I said, you, you take someone else's money, you're going to have to pay it back. You know, yeah. So. And, and, you know, the thing thing about it is we were given advice, you know, to, to, to you know, go take the bank's money. And it's not the worst idea in the world. I'm not against it. But I'm also a believer is that, you know, we live in very uncertain times. And no matter how hard you work or how great your ideas are, things go wrong. And if they go wrong, um, the ability to be able to recalibrate is really based upon, you know, what what you have to pay out. And uh, ultimately, if you owe a lot of money to, you know, um, you know, people who invest in the company, you know, uh, or shareholders or banks, um, they're going to come for the assets and and then you have nothing. So that's why we like to set the foundations really heavy and uh, make sure that, you know, something does go wrong or there is a downturn that we can't lose anything. So we have the ability to keep going. You know, I only saw it recently, actually, there was a there was a company, you know, uh, in, in Europe, a big manufacturing company, and uh, they went to they went into um, uh, liquidation. Uh, and and it was solely because they heavy loaded everything during COVID when there was a huge need for sanitizer and they had two really good contracts and they lost both of those contracts. And then the need for sanitizer died down and they couldn't pay the bank. So they lost it. So, you know, there, there's there's different ways to win at this game. And I, and I think if you're if you're willing to think about it, be a little bit creative and, and, and put in the work, um, you can make it happen. That is very good advice and good information. I want to switch the conversation just a little bit. You brought up something I really like, and that is market trends. Help me understand the big problem that you solve with your product or your service. So our product solved the problem by offering people a water-based safe solution for adhesive, which was applied to the skin to attach wigs or hair systems. So 
initially the product was formulated for people who experienced hair loss and they were wearing uh, wigs or hair systems, um, you know, because look, let's face it, hair loss um, is a huge part of certain, you know, some people's self-confidence and, and identity. Uh, it doesn't bother other people as much and that's okay. Um, but for me, you know, look, look well, it certainly the, doesn't bother me and you we're sitting yeah, here. Yeah. Some of us yeah. can't see us, but we're sitting here. I don't think we we may not need the hair replacement, but uh, it, it's something that we, we might. <laughs> well, what we realized then very quickly after that in the coming years was that there was a whole other side of the industry where, you know, people wear wigs for leisure. They change their hair. And uh, and we we knew we had a product that was safe enough to uh, to cater to that. And that's that's exactly what we did. Um, we just we gave the market what it was looking for. And nowadays it's easier than ever. I mean, it's, you know, when you look at product demand, if you if you're quick enough off the mark and you're willing to focus on a single product or a single project till it gets out there, all it takes is a little bit of due diligence on social media to figure out what's popping off and you know what the market is looking for. Like at the end of the day, Gary Vee says that the market is the market. You know, it's like you just you feed it. And that's what we do. We we find popular products that are in demand. We've already innovated, you know, and we, we continue to innovate on that product line to make it the industry leading product. But underneath that, then with all the, you know, the, the everyday general products, we just we feed the market with what it wants and, and we do it well because, you know, everything we manufacture is under European guidelines. So it's manufactured to the highest standards. And uh, we know no matter where we export, there won't be any issues. So like I'm a firm believer is, is, is simple solutions create the biggest impact and just keep it simple. We as humans tend to overcomplicate so many things and the simpler we can keep it, the better results we'll see. I've heard that. I've heard that if, because if it's not simple, if a five-year-old can't understand it, then you haven't really defined it. You're not very clear on what it is that you are providing. Yes. And so we can understand that. Like, hey, there's a lot of use cases, I'm sure, around, you know, just uh, hair replacement and, and, and all those things that go along with that. I know in the, in the U.S., a lot of people are image conscious. They're very yeah. conscious, right? Yeah. And um, that's a good, bad, or indifferent. It's just like, how can I make myself look the best I, that I can? And if yeah. you're helping them to do that and to do it safely mm-hmm. and it's uh, affordable, Yes. Then, then why not? Exactly. And, you know, and, and that's it. Uh, the unfortunate part about, you know, safety is that it requires an awful lot more testing and it requires an awful lot um, more stringent manufacturing processes. Like, you know, as, as we say, our, our products and especially our adhesive products, they're not the cheapest in the market. They're quite mid range. But, you know, as we move forward and we start to get feedback and we start to see where we can improve things and serve a different area of the market, we're able to naturally offer products that, you know, become a little less expensive, um, but they still serve the exact purpose that the, uh, the client is looking for. And a prime example would be typically when somebody uses our adhesive, they expect a three to four week hold on their uh, hair system. Right. Um, but then there's also other segments of the market who don't want that. They actually want to take their wig off every day and uh, they want a product that's easy to clean. So uh, Q4 of this year, we've created an innovative peelable technology for adhesive. And sure enough, we think it's going to revolutionize everything yet again. And and that's what the aim is going to be. And we're coming after uh, the segment of the market that um, that just 
pumps out really poor product and uh, tries to market it as something it's not. They they just copy what we do basically. Is that that that's what that's what ends up happening in this space. They end up copying what we do. They don't do it as well. Um, they're around for a little while, but uh, they don't put in you know the, the the time or the effort to truly understand what they're doing. This is interesting. You really gave us some good insight there on competitive knowledge and competitive research, how you were able to scale and get to where you're at, but then maintain that uh, market dominance uh, yeah. that you've been able to, to do. Now, your target audience, are they primarily U.S.-based? Are they worldwide? Are they men, women? I mean, tell us about that. They're everyone. Uh, they're, they're, uh, it's, it's a global brand um, used all over the world. Um, the U.S. market is is very um, uh, big for us. I would say it probably serves, I'd say, seventy percent of our uh, of our market share. Um, so yeah, look, I mean, the, the U.S. is just a big a big uh, big business in beauty, and that's it. Um, and if you you supply the right products and you have the right you know distribution relationships, um, you know. It, it 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 will go well for you, you know. But it, it takes it takes a long time to build a brand, you know. Pe- people people think if you have a product that performs, you can just put it on the likes of TikTok, you run some ads, and you know, and 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 that's it. If it's a good product, but it's not it, you know. Like we we have um, you know clients of ours who who are good friends of ours, and you know they built phenomenal brands, like huge brands, and uh, you know we've been with them since day one, and you know they. That they they know how to do it, and believe me, it takes it takes you years. It takes a good five, six, seven years to really get your brand uh, penetrated into a marketplace. You know. Oh no! Without the adoption rate, I'm glad you said that again. And I want people to really hear that because they they think they can just it's like it's that simple. All I gotta do is just take you know some really nice branding from a marketing perspective, right, and then throw it up in social media. Put some very clever videos and some tactics out there, and I'm just gonna just that's it, you know, just turn on yeah. automation and, and that's it. Well, it takes a while. You're dealing with human beings. Human beings yeah. take time to adopt and adapt to a, a new service or offering, and word yeah. of mouth is still king. You know, yes. all, all all that other can do is just validate. You know, like yeah, yeah, I saw it out there and there, but you know. My next or never told me about this, you know, and that takes time to to gain traction. You agree? One hundred percent. And and I think you know that one of the key things that's overlooked is communication channels and amongst all that because people are after the first sale and it's like okay, well you've got your first sale, your cost to acquire uh, you know a customer, whatever. That that's that's one aspect. But what are your communication channels like? You know, and how often you know from your understanding and experience does consumer behavior change in your industry? And a prime example would be um, we implemented a a a, uh, a lead generation system uh, probably about five years ago and it performed absolutely amazing for us so, you know I, through a bunch of experimenting we focused down to one funnel one process and we just we scaled it with resource then so it worked really well but then in 2022 things started to drop off dramatically and we're like why why is that happening you know like i mean is is it are, are we fully you know have we take have we completely just uh hit our ceiling in the marketplace um you know what is there more competition what is it and we took a look at it and you know Popped the hood and and saw and and saw some of the data and we were like okay we, we've got to make some changes so we actually spent another four months 
creating a whole new lead gen system with new communication channels. Uh, we actually launched it this January, and already to date, uh, we've seen uh, an increase of sixty percent of uh, on 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 our on our first order conversions. So, like, it's not just leads. You know, it's like the the lead to actually placing the first order. So, that whole process proved to us that look, expectations in industries change. Um, you know, you're, you're dealing with different age groups and different demographics now and what they want, how fast they want it, what they're willing to spend. Like, you know, like you might have a first order value, uh, you know, four or five years ago, of let's say $2,000, you know, but now you get a lot more of them, but it's a much lower value because people are in it. They want to try it. They want to move on. They want to stay with you. And look, it's a very interchangeable world we live in now. So you, you have to be honest and you, you have to be monitoring your data all the time. That is good advice around you have to change. Just because it worked and it worked well for a period of time doesn't mean it will continue to work. And, and you've got to be have your pulse, you know, on where where this is going. And it's, that's difficult. I think right now, someone was telling me we have five generations in the marketplace right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that that that's incredible uh, that we have that kind of uh, uh, you know, views and, and, and different people, and they're savvy and, and what they can what they can do. You know, so all of this, all of this is is, is very very important as, as we move 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 forward. Um, so we're going to go ahead and conclude here, and then we're definitely we'll get your contact information and, and the best way to contact you, and how we're going to move forward from there, and we'll be able to. Uh, conclude uh, at, at that time. So thank you very much, Ryan. So as we conclude, Ryan, you definitely, first of all, this has been wonderful. I want you to thank you for sharing your story, your family history, why you're in the business, how you really got to understand key performance indicators as you move forward, understanding your strengths and weaknesses, and then when you have to hire and when you have to make changes, when you have to make pivots to get to that eight-figure level, and I'll be glad to see when you get that nine-figure level. That would be wonderful. It's, it's, in the, yeah, it's in the plan, but look, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So if the audience would like to contact you, what is the best way? Uh, my main hangout is LinkedIn. Uh, the company itself, uh, Professional Hair Labs, has social media profiles on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. It's not hard to find. Um, but look, I mean, I'm predominantly on LinkedIn. So I just find it's the best way to make, you know, just better connections in terms of, uh, you know, what your business is looking for. Well, that that is wonderful. And we love you to come on to the Follow Brand Show. You know, to have your brand is probably a lot of people that are listening. They've used their brand. They want to know more about it. Now they know the face behind the brand. How did, how did you like this particular episode? Oh, it was great. Listen, uh, I'm a firm believer is that having open uh, conversations that that allow you to explore the nuances of the discussion uh, brings out the best on, on both sides. So, and you know what? There's not... Not all um, podcasts and discussions end up like that. Some can be very by the book and meticulous. So, uh, you know, your show in particular has been an absolute um, uh, pleasure to to speak on. I love to hear that. Thank you, thank you very much. And definitely for your audience, they can tune into all the podcasts and all the interviews that I've done on Follow Brand at Five Star BDM, and that is B for Brand, B for Development, and for Masters dot com. Thank you so much for being on the show, Ryan. 
Thanks, Grant. Appreciate it.